listener production. Hello, and you are very welcome to another episode of Ha! Science Explained with me, Ellen Fidian, a science journalist with Cosmos magazine. Each week, twice a week, we answer life's questions, big or small. And today, we are getting fizzy with the science of sparkling wine, how it's made, and the bonkers fluid dynamics of popping the cork. Sparkling wine is synonymous with the silly season for me. As well as Christmas and New Year, at least half the birthdays in my family happen over the Australian summer, including mine. We're in permanent celebration mode. So it's a good time to think about the science of champagne. What makes it bubble and what makes it pop? It turns out that there is some serious supersonic physics involved. Of course, it's only called champagne if it comes from the Champagne region of France. Otherwise, it's just sparkling wine. I've also been informed that I'm only doing science journalism if I've recorded all the cool things I'm learning. Otherwise, it's just my sparkling wit. Let's take a look at the science of bubbly. How is champagne made? Like all wines, champagne starts with grapes. Sparkling wine grapes are normally picked quite early in the season, right at the beginning of summer, because that keeps the flavour more delicate. After picking, the grapes are pressed to release the juice, very gently to stop compounds in the skin from seeping too much into the wine and giving it too strong a dry, tannin-like taste. In still red wines, like Shiraz or Cab Sav, these tannins are much more encouraged. Then, a complicated fermentation process begins. Individual winemakers use hundreds of different tactics at this point to modify their bubbly. They might add oxidizers to make the flavour broader, or avoid oxidizers for a more precise taste. They might add a type of bacteria that eats some of the acids, making the wine less acidic. Or they might add sulphur to kill off bacteria. But one thing these wines do have in common is the addition of yeast. This little fungus eats up the sugars in the grape juice and ferments them. Sugar and alcohol are quite similar, chemically speaking. Sugar molecules are bigger, but they're made of the same stuff as ethanol. Yeast breaks up the complicated sugar molecules into alcohol and carbon dioxide. It's added to all wine and beer brewing, but in sparkling wine, yeast is added twice. The second time around, it's done at a high pressure so that the carbon dioxide gas stays in the wine. When you put a gas at a high pressure, it can shrink so much that you turn it into a liquid. All of the CO2 gas molecules get pushed closer and closer until they're pretty much touching, and voila, liquid CO2. The pressure inside the bottle is about four to six times normal air pressure, about twice as much as a car tyre. That's enough to keep the CO2 in liquid form. But when you pop the cork, suddenly all that pressure is released and the CO2 can turn into the gas it really wants to be. In fact, you get about 49 million bubbles per bottle. So this is what makes the bubbly bubbly, or the yeast burps. The bubbles play a big role in changing the flavour of the wine. As they burst, they send tiny, tiny droplets of wine into the air. We're talking less than a thousandth of a millimetre. These droplets hit your nostrils, making you smell and thus taste the wine differently. This means that the size of the bubble and the speed at which it bursts can also affect the taste. And if you've ever thought that sparkling wine gets you drunk faster, you're not imagining things. The carbon dioxide bubbles form a mild acid when they hit your mouth. This stimulates blood movement and you absorb the alcohol more quickly. So now we know about the bubbles, what about the pop? 
It's actually a tiny series of shockwaves. All those CO2 bubbles trapped in the bottle at high pressure expand as the cork moves a little. The more the cork moves, the more the gases expand and the higher the pressure builds until the cork pops and all the gases rush out suddenly. The pressure is so high that the gases zoom out at supersonic speeds. The pop is actually a bunch of tiny sonic booms as the gases break the sound barrier. Sonic booms are actually surprisingly common. Popping balloons are sonic booms, and even snapping your fingers can cause a little shockwave. While the gases are moving out of the bottle super fast, the cork can be pretty quick too, reaching speeds over 50 kilometers per hour. How do we know all this? A team of French scientists, of course. Over at the Université de Rennes-Champagne-Ardennes, a group of researchers have been investigating the pop of champagne over the last several years. They've been popping bottles of champagne under high-speed cameras at very carefully controlled temperatures. They found that warming the champagne up makes the cork pop faster, although they're not willing to heat champagne over 20 degrees and stress that it really should be drunk at 8 to 10 degrees. They've also shown that the gases shoot out of the bottle in patterns called shock diamonds. This means there's some very complicated fluid dynamics going on in there. Shock diamonds are also produced by rocket exhausts. Finally, they've demonstrated that there's a very sudden drop in temperature right around the neck of the bottle as gas shoots out. This is because the pressure has decreased very suddenly. That drop sucks in energy from its surrounds. The temperature can fall to minus 70 degrees Celsius for a fraction of a second. Tiny ice crystals form while it happens. If you're in a popping mood, it's best to do it outside. If the bottle is warmer or shaken beforehand, you're more likely to get a good bang and have fizz pouring out. On the other hand, if you want to actually drink the wine properly, you want a more muted pop. According to the Comité Champagne, the French trade organisation that governs the making and selling of champagne, there is a special way to do this. Tilt the bottle slightly away from yourself, remove the wire cage and foil, and gently twist the bottle, holding the cork still so that it slides out. While less fun, the wowsers of the Comité believe that this results in better bubble and taste, and it certainly doesn't cause any expensive spillage. How should it be served? While we're on the topic of opening wine properly, let's swing by the correct way to serve it. The lower the temperature, the smaller the bubbles, but obviously we don't want a champagne ice block. Like I said before, 7 or 8 to 10 degrees is perfect or a few minutes out of the fridge or ice bucket. Glassware goes in and out of fashion. You've probably seen both narrow flutes and wide round glasses called coupes. Lots of people think that the coupes are best, but the French champagne scientists recommend against them. In bubbly, the bursting carbon dioxide bubbles are the main carriers of aroma. According to their modelling, wide coupes dissipate the gases and the aroma too much. On the other hand, a narrow flute can concentrate the scent a little too much. The researchers suggest a narrow tulip glass instead. But we also know that the company you drink the wine in, and the mood you're in when you drink it, plays a huge role in taste too. So if you just love the coupes or flutes, go with your heart. And here's a completely unscientific tip. Op shops are a terrific source of champagne glasses. You don't need to break the bank to be ready with tulips for a sparkling wine occasion. There you have it. Popping champagne is breaking the sound barrier. For the latest in science news, don't forget to check out the Science Briefing, also available here on the Listener app. 
and head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back again next time for another Ha! Science Explained. 